our campuses share that goal, that we would not be found complacent or indifferent, but that we would be a people of action, a people stepping ahead in trust and surrender and moving forward by faith. And so Champion Forest Conroe, let's open our hearts and our minds today as my friend, our campus pastor, Alec Brunson, leads us in the study of God's Word. Awesome. Appreciate that from Pastor Jarrett. Good morning, everybody. It's so glad um, to be here, worship with you, and to open up the scriptures together. And we are going to be in Acts chapter 1, uh, and verses 1 through 11 is our text for the day. And last week I told you that the whole point of the book of Acts really is to show how Jesus continues his ministry through his people by the Holy Spirit. If you remember, we talked about how um, in the very beginning, uh, Luke, who's the author of Acts, says that in his first book, that is the Gospel of Luke, he talks about what all Jesus began to do and teach, which means that the book of Acts, and then continuing on into the local church, our church age today, means that Everything that happens in the book of Acts and everything really that happens in and through the church, through Christians today, is what Jesus is continuing to do. So you and I have the um, incredible um, privilege and, and we need to grasp the reality that what you and I do as individual Christians is us continuing the ministry of Jesus by the Holy Spirit. This is a, a, a massive um, aspect, and, and really it's the whole point of the book of Acts, that you and I get to continue the ministry of Jesus. We love as he loved. We do what he did. We teach what he taught. We share the message of the gospel, what he has done, just like he lived out. The message of the gospel, that through believing in him, trusting in his life, death, and resurrection, that we can be saved. We can have forgiveness of sins and be reconciled back to God. That's what you and I are to proclaim, and the ministry that we're to carry out is the ministry of Jesus. And what this means for us is that we've got work to do. We've got work to do. And uh, that's, that's the, what I'm titling the message today. We've got work to do. And specifically, the work that we have to do, what we're going to see throughout the whole book of Acts is what the church was doing. And the work that the church is to do and, and to continue. And we're going to see those different patterns that we, can, that we can pattern ourselves after today. But specifically in this first uh, 11 verses of Acts, specifically really in verse 8, which you probably know if you spend any time um, in, in church. And uh, that, that is our goal. Specifically today, we are to continue the ministry of Jesus by being his witnesses. We are to continue the ministry of Jesus by being his witnesses. That's the point of the sermon. And I see this in uh, the count of the ascension in verses 6 through 11. And we're going to get there. But first, there are a couple of foundational truths that I want us to see in verses 1 through 5. Verses 1 through 5. And the first thing uh, that we need to make sure that we've got down and that we believe and, and we're building upon is this. Jesus is alive. You believe that? Jesus is alive. Look at verse 3 with me. Um, it says, he present, that's Jesus, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Jesus is alive. Now, you may think, I know, you don't, I mean, I'm in church today, I obviously believe that, but we can't get past that reality. 
that Jesus is alive. I mean, if, I mean, did he really show himself for 40 days? Did he really show himself to the disciples after he resurrected from the grave? I mean, did that really happen? And if it did, it changes everything. I mean, this is the foundation of our faith. If you do not believe that Jesus is alive, that he really did rise from the grave, I would urge you, trust in it and believe it today because it really happened. And we can't just skim past that reality that he appeared to his disciples alive. Jesus is alive and this changes everything. It changes everything. I mean, if, if this is not true, let's pack it up and go home. Why, why you know, let's go to brunch. I heard toasted yolk is, I mean, I don't know. Where, where do you want to go? Because if, if this isn't true, then there's no point in being here. But the reality is it is true. It really did happen. And we can trust this account that Jesus is alive. You heard of the phrase, um, some people will say, like if there's rumors going around in the news or whatever, uh, some people will say kind of sarcastically, big if true. Like you ever see a headline, big, if, if, like if that's true, big if true. And uh, the, the truth is that, that um, if Jesus has really risen from the grave, it's big. It changes everything, and it is true. Jesus is alive. Don't take this reality for granted. Jesus hasn't risen from the grave. Paul says, then your faith is in vain. But it is true. Jesus is alive. Don't get past it. Believe it. Trust in the one. Put your faith in the one who defeated the grave. He is alive. Jesus is alive. Which means that we, his followers, those who do believe that, if that's you in the room, it means we've got work to do. It means we've got work to do. Um, we've got the work of continuing the ministry of Jesus by being his witnesses. Um, but some things happen, unfortunately, in the course of living the Christian life, in, in the course of trying to be obedient, to follow Jesus, in the course of being his witnesses like we're called to do, sometimes... We get off track, don't we? Sometimes we can get a little sidetracked and, and we start to, to miss the point. We, we, we aren't really focused on the work that Jesus has called us to do. And we start, we start drifting. We start, we start getting off, don't we? It happens. Um, and there are two things that happen with the disciples specifically that I think, um, that, that I, that I think are, uh, really speak to us today and the potential that we have to misunderstand what is going on? It, these are ways that we get off track as well, just like the disciples did. It's like, um, you know, have you ever walked in a room and then forgot what you walked in for? You know, sometimes that can happen to us. And that seems, I don't know, it happens to me more and more now. It might be the lack of sleep from the new baby. I don't know. Uh, but but th this thing happens, and, and this is what we need to guard against. We need to keep the mission. Uh, we need to keep what Jesus has called us to do front and center and continue to walk that path. But there are a couple things that happen to the disciples that I think we can relate to today that make us uh, get off track a little bit. And the first thing is this. We've got work to do, but what can happen is we misunderstand the mission. We could maybe misunderstand the mission. And I see this in verses 6 through 8. Look at this with me. So when they had come together, this is the disciples, they asked him, Lord, Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power 
when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So we've got work to do. You and I today, we have this same call to be witnesses to Jesus. That is to to share what he has done, to testify to what he has done. We have this same work to do, but like these disciples, we might misunderstand the mission. We might misunderstand the mission. Well, let's give the disciples the benefit of the doubt here. Um, Jesus just defeated the grave, okay? He's risen from the dead, and he's been with them. The Bible says, verse 3 says, uh, they were, he was with them 40 days speaking about the kingdom of God, okay? So their question, uh, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel, is a, a reasonable question for them to ask, all right? Let's give them the benefit of the doubt, because you and I, if we were in that situation, we would have been no better. We wouldn't have grasped it either. But what Jesus does in his response is to say, you've got this wrong. You're misunderstanding the mission. Because the disciples, what they thought about the kingdom of God, and this is, uh, this is just what they thought from their reading of the Old Testament and what they were understanding at the time, they thought that the kingdom of God was going to be a political, ethnic, and territorial kingdom. They thought it was going to be political, they thought it was going to be ethnic, and they thought it was going to be territorial. Meaning, they thought that it was going to be, um, that Jesus was going to, with military might, overthrow the Roman occupation of Israel and was going to be their uh, military king. Thought it was going to be political. And they thought it was going to be ethnic, meaning they thought that Israel, the, the Jewish nation, the Jewish people, were going to be the ones to, to rise up and then they would be the, the, the light to the nations like they were supposed to be. They thought that this is how it was going to happen. And then they thought it was going to be territorial, meaning they thought that that little strip of land there was going to be theirs again, that the Romans weren't going to occupy them and that they would, you know, the, that Jesus would sit on the throne of David uh, and they thought it would be political, ethnic, and territorial. Now, again, this, we can't blame the disciples for thinking this. This is just what they thought. This is how they believed that it was going to happen. They misunderstood the mission, though. And what Jesus does in his reply in verse 8 is to, to take their focus off of the political, off of the ethnic, off of the territorial, and, and, and shift them into what the kingdom of God actually is that you and I get to be a part of today. He shifts it into being something else. He says, but, and, I, and I really the word but in verse 8 really helps us shift our focus. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So instead of being a political, ethnic, and territorial kingdom, This actually becomes a a spiritual kingdom that actually goes beyond politics and actually includes all ethnicities because it goes to the ends of the earth. So you see, the the misunderstanding of the mission is actually, the kingdom of God is actually something so much greater than what the disciples thought it was going to be. And you and I get caught up in this as well. Sometimes we can misunderstand the mission. We can focus on the wrong things. Because the disciples, they had this work to do, but they misunderstood the mission. And we too have the same work to do, to be his witnesses. 
in our community, right? If we want to make the, the territorial thing uh, true of us, our, our Jerusalem, our Conroe right here, and then maybe the, the greater area, and then also to the ends of the earth, we are called to be Jesus' witnesses. This is the same work you and I are called to do today. Continue his um, ministry by being his witnesses. By telling others, testifying to what Jesus has done for us. By telling others, witnessing, telling others um, how Jesus has saved us and how he's given us hope and life and peace because of what he has done. If he has, if this is true of you, if Jesus has changed your life, if you're trusting in him to save, then it's your job, it is our work to do to tell others, to, to spread this message, to spread this news. And in so doing, you're spreading the kingdom of God. And if, though, if you have nothing to testify to, um, if you don't have this story, this reality of what Jesus has done for you, um, it might be worth doing some soul heart searching to see whether or not Jesus has truly saved you. Whether or not you, you really have trusted in him to save. If you don't have um, a testimony to bear, if you don't have witness to give, then this morning maybe we need to think, okay, am I trusting in Jesus to save? Have I truly turned away from my sin and, and trusted in Jesus to save me? And if you haven't, I would urge you and, and, uh, and pray that today would be that moment that you would trust in Jesus to save and therefore have a testimony to give to a world that so desperately needs it. But we too, in, in different ways, we misunderstand the mission. Again, remember, our mission, continue the ministry of Jesus by being his witnesses. But sometimes our mission, we misunderstand it. What are some of the missions that uh, we have today? Make a lot of money so I can retire early, so I can travel a lot. Um, or maybe our mission is, uh, you know, make sure our kids get good grades so they get into a good college so they can make a lot of money so they can retire. You know, I don't know. What's, what's the mission? What's our goal? I mean, what are, what are we about as followers of Jesus? What are we about as a church? What's our mission? You know, mission statements are um, really popular right now. You know, everybody needs to have a mission statement. Like, what are you after? All these businesses, and, you know, they all have a mission statement that kind of guides what they do. Um, and I wonder if I could, like, you know, watch a quick, like, highlight reel of your life and, and come up with, like, what do I think your mission is, you know? If you got a highlight reel of your life, what, what, would it, what would somebody say, okay, this is what they're about? Is it making a lot of money? Is it like, you know, being famous? Is it having a lot of followers? Is it, you know, whatever. And I, I would urge us today, as we're thinking about um, our lives and what we would give our lives to and, and uh, how we would worship the Lord with our whole lives, let's, have, let's, let's walk away today with a new mission statement that with Acts 1a as sort of our template. Let's, let's resolve today together as individual Christians to have a new mission statement. Something like, um, you know, here's my new mission statement. To be a Holy Spirit-filled witness to Jesus everywhere I go. I want to be, be a Holy Spirit-filled witness to Jesus everywhere I go. Because that's the work that we have to do. That's our mission statement as followers of Jesus today. So, let's not misunderstand the mission. 
Let's not miss it anymore. Let's not walk into the room and forget why we, why we came anymore. We're, we are to be witnesses to Jesus, to testify to what he has done, to continue his ministry. Then in verses 9 through 11, I see another way that the disciples had it wrong, how they, they were kind of missing it. And uh, this is an area where we can too. And uh, we, we've got a work to do, uh, but we're focused on the wrong thing. We've got work to do, but maybe we're focused on the wrong thing. I see this in verses 9 through 11. Look at it with me. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. All right, here's the temptation for us. Um, We've got work to do, but we're focused on the wrong thing. Now, understandably, these disciples are are looking up in the sky (laughs) because Jesus just ascended and and a cloud comes and, and, uh, you know, heaven and earth meet for this moment and and Jesus ascends and the disciples are, are standing there looking. And understandably, Right? I mean, they've just seen this spectacle. But how long is too long? Because remember, Jesus has just told them what to do. He said that to go and wait, when the Holy Spirit comes, they'll be his witnesses, and, and then he ascends, and they're standing there. I don't, know, I don't know how long they were standing there. I mean, an hour would, would, would make sense to me. Like, did I really just see that happen? But somehow, they've got to snap back to reality, because they've got work to do. They've got work to do. I mean, they've got to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. We, I mean, we've got work to do. We, I mean, no need to stare up into the sky anymore. And um, they, they have to get snapped back to reality. And that's what these two men, uh, messengers of the Lord, angels presumably, um, said, I mean, why, why do you stand gazing into heaven? He, he's going to come back, but I'm, I'm reinterpreting this, but you've got work to do. Let's get to it. I mean, he's going he's gonna to return, but he told you what to do. Now let's get after it. We've got work to do. Um, John Stock quipped, uh, It was the earth, not the sky, which was to be their preoccupation. Their calling was to be witnesses, not stargazers. Right? I mean, how long are we just going to stand there and, uh, and stare up and, and just not, you know, not, not do anything? Like, we, we've got work to do. Let's go. Having our focus on the wrong thing is still a temptation for us today, isn't it? We, we might be caught, um, you know, one, one way we might be tempted is to, is to just sit back and watch others do the work. It's just a temptation for anybody. Like, like to just sit back and be like, oh, it looks like they've got that handled. I'm good here. I'm comfortable. I'm fine. Uh, I'm just going to let others do the work. And if you believe that Christianity, uh, following Jesus, and uh, your own Christian life, if you believe and kind of think that the Christian life is boring, then you're doing it wrong. Because we've got work to do. If you're bored when you walk in here on Sunday, and you're bored while we're singing, and you're bored while you're hearing the, you know, the preacher, and you're bored when you leave to go back, uh, you know, to, to live out the, the Christian life, if all of those things are boring to you, then uh, I think you're doing it wrong. Because we've got work to do. 
to, to be his witnesses everywhere we go. And that's exciting. It's not boring. I mean, sure, days will be mundane. We've got jobs to do. We've got things to do. But the Lord has placed us um, around people and in places to be his witnesses. I mean, that's, that's exciting. That's not boring. So we can't just sit back and watch others do the work. We've got work to do. But it's a temptation for us all. I'm sure you've heard this. This is a cliche in the church world that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. You ever heard that? Um, it, might, it might even be uh, more skewed. I don't know. Uh, but that's what people say. You know, 20% of the people do 80% of the work, meaning most of us are just sitting back watching others uh, engage in the kingdom of God. That's our temptation, to misunderstand and, and to be focused on the wrong thing. And what we've got to do is to, is to get in the game. And of course, this is true when it comes to like church life on Sunday morning. You know, we need more people up here singing. We need more people in kids. We need more people doing the media, more people greeting in, in the hospitality. You know, there are ample ways uh, to get involved in, in the life of the church and, and to serve, of course. Uh, there's always ways to, to jump in. So if you don't have an area, like, let's go. We've got work to do there. But not only that. We've got work to do when it comes to outside these walls. Arguably, more importantly, we've got work to do out there to be his witnesses, to testify to what he has done. And the reality is, um, I, you know, looking at different statistics and stuff, and I, I don't know what, what all, but the moral of the story is most Christians do not share their faith. Most Christians don't actually ever tell anybody about Jesus. Most Christians don't have conversations about what Jesus has done for them. And um, interestingly, most people, over half anyway, uh, say that they do feel comfortable having those conversations. They just never do it. Now, I'm sure there are ample number of reasons, fear of rejection and embarrassment. I'm sure all those are true. I, I feel those things as well. Uh, but the truth is, I mean, we, we do have work to do to be his witnesses. And my experience is, people are way more receptive to having a conversation about Jesus and about spiritual matters way more than we think that they will be. Um, and so I would just encourage you uh, to, to have conversations about your faith with people. The neighbors you're around, the people that you meet, just have conversations. And, uh, and, and you will be amazed at how the Spirit will lead and how you will have opportunities to, to talk to people about what Jesus has done for you. Step out in faith. Take that little leap, and uh, I promise you. Uh, I mean, this is what Jesus promised, that, that the Spirit will give us power uh, when, when we're his witnesses. And so let's do it. And, um, I mean, I probably had seven or eight conversations with different people on our street, you know, as we're walking and people are outside, you know, just about their faith and uh, their involvement in church, you know. And I just that's an easy one. Like, right after you figure out what somebody does for work, a great next question is, uh, are you connected to a church anywhere? You know, that's, that's easy. And people are, you know, they'll say, no, I'm not, but we're looking, or, you know, whatever their thing is. Uh, so just look for those opportunities to talk about what Jesus has done. Because this is the kind of work that Jesus was calling his disciples to here in Acts 1-8. And this is the type of work that you and I are to continue today. Um. I remember people when I was younger, uh, I didn't really grow up going to church, but um, I started when I was like in middle school, 13 years old, somebody invited me. And I remember in those early days uh, hearing people say that they were going witnessing. You ever heard that? People, we're, we're going out witnessing. 
And I don't know if that was an Oklahoma thing or, uh, or what, uh, but that idea, you know, like, uh, there, you know, we might say we're going to share our faith or, you know, something like that, uh, but we're going witnessing, and uh, I like that. Let's, let's bring back that idea that everywhere we go, we're witnessing, you know. We're looking for opportunities to tell others about what Jesus has done for us. Because that's what a, that's what a witness is, right? We, when we think of the word witness, we think of a courtroom, you know. And what, is a, what does a witness do up, up in the box? He testifies. What is it to testify? It's to tell the truth. Tell the truth. And what is the truth? What has Jesus done for you? Did he die on the cross for your sins? Did he shed his blood so that you could have forgiveness and reconciliation with God? Is that the truth in your life? Yes, yes. All right, let's, tell, let's testify to it. Let's be his witnesses. Because we don't want to sit on the sidelines and watch others do the work, do we? It's boring. Now, I, uh, I played sports in high school, played football, basketball, and soccer. I know you wouldn't know it now, but that's true. Uh, and uh, my senior year, I got hurt. I messed up my knee really bad. And so I had to spend my whole senior year on the sidelines watching, cheering on my team, you know, and it was fun to support and it was fine to like, you know, rah, rah, go team, um, you know, and help out where, where I could. Man, I would have much rather been out there on the field. Um, now, being on the sidelines is in some ways safer. Now, continue the analogy with me. Being on the sidelines when it comes to Christianity actually doing things with our faith, being on the sidelines, it's safer, meaning there's no risk of rejection when you're not playing the game. There's no risk of embarrassment when you're not playing the game. You know, there's no fear of failure when you're not playing the game because everybody else is out there doing it, and if they mess up, you get to point the finger. Um, But man, if you're not in the game, there's no chance to contribute to the victory. There's no opportunity to, to, to get in the game, to, to grow, to be better, um, and, and, to, and to be a part of, of your team winning, right? So let's get out there. Let's work, because we've got work to do. And the good thing is, uh, when it comes to our faith, uh, we believe that in the end, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord, and we believe that Jesus is coming back. So we win. We know we have the victory. It's just our job to do the work to get there. So let's, let's do the work. We've got work to do. Um, so we might as well get out, and get out and play because we win. We're always tempted to sit and watch others do the work, uh, but we've got work to do. And um, so if you are, uh, well, let me say this. I, I think uh, another area where we might um, could mess up. So think about the disciples staring up into the sky. The, the, their temptation then uh, was just to think, Surely he's coming back now, right? Any moment now. When's he coming? Come on, let's go. Is he coming back? Is he coming back? Is he coming back? And uh, we could maybe be tempted to do that as well. And to just stare in the sky and be like, surely Jesus is coming now. And every generation has had its share of prophets who have been reading the signs of the times and have seen wars and rumors of wars and blood moons and the abomination of desolation and red heifers, and they are saying, now is the time Jesus is going to return. Uh, and they buy their billboards and they share in time, you know, they uh, want to sell you in times kits for three payments of nineteen ninety nine. And guess what? Jesus hasn't returned. Um, and we should expect that because Jesus himself said, no one knows the time of his return. So, 
if you are one that might be tempted uh, to be staring at the sky and to have the news in one hand and revelation in the other and uh, try to be mapping up and just spend all of your time wondering if this is when Jesus is going to return, let me challenge you to just, you know, put that stuff down uh, because we've got work to do. We, we have witnessing to do. And, um, and so if that's a temptation, uh, then, then let's go. And I would encourage you, uh, verse 11, let's, let's uh, do the same thing. Men and women of Conroe, why do you stand looking into heaven? Let's, you know, because we've got, we've got work to do um, to, to see the kingdom of God advance here in our own community. And lastly, this is a truth that we can rest in. I see this in verse 11. It says this, Why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come. He will come. And the, the truth is that Jesus will return. He is coming back. And this is good, precious, sweet news for us this morning. So what have we seen? Jesus is alive. We've got work to do. And Jesus will return. I mean, he is going to come back. And this is, this is great news for us because what happens when he returns uh, is he will make everything right in the end. Everything sad will come untrue, to quote the words of Gandalf in The Lord of the Rings. Everything sad will come untrue. It will all prove to be worth it. All of the pain, all of the difficulty, all the challenges that we've gone through in this life um, will be made right by Jesus when he returns. And this is good news for us this morning and uh, was particularly a comfort for me uh, this week as I'm just thinking about and seeing the same pictures you are as um, young Afghan men and women are lifting their children up to U.S. soldiers just to try and get them out. I mean, I can't imagine just giving my child to somebody uh, in an attempt to keep them safe. Oh, yeah, and then in the midst of, of all the stuff, the turmoil going on, Haiti gets hit with a 7.2 earthquake and over 2,000 people are dead. Oh, yeah, and in the midst of still a global pandemic that's seeing another uptick. I mean, I'm like, holy moly. It's too much to fathom. Uh, but this, this week, and the, this text was, was grounding in some ways uh, to just remember that Jesus is alive. He did defeat the grave. I mean, we, and we do have a mission here on this earth now to, to be his witnesses, to see the kingdom grow, um, to advance the gospel, to love people, um, and, and then the, the grounding reality that he will return and he will make everything right. And that is a, a tremendous um, weight off of our shoulders and a tremendous uh, truth for us to, to cling to today. And of course, we look forward to that day and we cry out, come Lord Jesus. But until then, until he does return, we do have work to do. So let's be his witnesses and continue his ministry. And um, it's a perfect morning then for us to take the Lord's Supper. And uh, the Lord's Supper is a reminder to us of what Jesus has done. It is a reminder to us of his broken body and his blood shed. And uh, the scriptures tell us that it is a proclamation until Jesus returns again. Until he comes again, we are going to continue to take the Lord's Supper as a way of proclaiming the gospel, of remembering his body broken for us and his blood shed for us. 
And this is an invitation to the Lord's Supper. Because at the heart of the Christian life is active trust in the Lord and his sacrificial death for sin. And in this symbolic meal, which comes from Jesus' last supper with his disciples, we express and we strengthen our trust in him as we eat and we drink with our brothers and sisters in Christ. The Lord's Supper is an outward and a visible sign of the grace shown to us in the death of our Savior. And as we share the bread and the cup together, we are invited to feed on him in our hearts, to feed on him spiritually by faith with thanksgiving. And in the Lord's Supper again, we are faced with God's love for us who are unworthy. And we are strengthened by faith in the one whose body was given and whose blood was shed for us. So today, I would urge you to come to the table with heartfelt repentance and genuine trust in the Lord Jesus and recognize the significance of sharing in this meal. Um, And if you are not a Christian, if you are meaning you, you have not and are not trusting in Jesus to save, I would urge you to not participate with us in the Lord's Supper this morning. Just take this time to reflect and to pray uh, if you are not yet a Christian. And um, for the rest of us, this is a family meal for us to partake in. Uh, so if you are not a member, meaning you're not a part of our family, you can still you can still join us as long as you are a Christian trusting in Jesus to save. You can still join us. And, uh, and, and take the Lord's Supper. Uh, but I would urge you to, to make it official and, and, and join us as a part of this family. And in just a few moments, we are going to take the Lord's Supper together. But I want to give each of us an opportunity to reflect on our own, to search our hearts and to pray and confess any sin that might be in our lives uh, before we become and, and receive the Lord's Supper, which is a symbol of our forgiveness that we have in Christ. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to be quiet for just a moment and give you a moment to, to pray, to search your heart. You can pray with, a, with your family. And then when you're ready, in a few moments, I'm going to ask everybody uh, that wants to partake, you, you can come up to the table and, and grab, some of the element, uh, grab one of the elements and then take it back to your seat. And then I will lead us through the, the bread and the cup and we will take it together, like I said, as a family. So give us a moment. You take your time, reflect, pray. And then when you're ready, come uh, and receive the elements and then head back to your seat and then I will lead us through. Okay, so now moments of reflection. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by what you heard today. If you'd like more information about Champion Forest Baptist Church, our service times, or how you can get connected, visit us at championforest.org. Thanks so much. Have a great day, and God bless.